the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. People here are nice, believe it or not. And I hope they're that they're like, Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I'm sure they did. You know, the thing is, like, the New Yorkers, it's just, like, when provoked, we will unleash. But, like, on the day-to-day. Yeah. I think people are just busy. Like, I mean, I am, like, always kind of hustling. I feel like people might, you know, like, identify with that if you live in New York. You're always just kind of, like, hustling from place to place to place. So it's not that you're, like, mean. Maybe you're just kind of on a mission. I feel like I'm always on a mission. Whether I'm, like, going to Target or going to work, it's I'm always on a mission. This is episode 236 of Reconcile the Isle. What on earth is going on? Rocket Man. Casualty of climate change. The ecosystems are collapsing. Eight accusers. Several allegations. Thousands of cases. Charlottesville. Horrific shooting. Deadly school shooting. The third deadly mass shooting in a week. Category four. California wildfires. Government shutdown. I've never seen this country divided like this. The worst pandemic. Healthcare system collapsing. This is astounding to me. Reconcile the Isle. Welcome to Reconcile the Isle on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. On this show, my characters and I are figuring out how we can have meaningful dialogue about difficult topics. My name is Lauren Lojudice. This season, we're interviewing media creators. Um, This season actually was supposed to be about like, you know, just like six to 12 months long, Um, but it's gone beyond that. And here we are, I think a year and a half, almost two years later, and there's just people are approaching us about doing the podcast and there just keeps being people like that I'll come across. I think, oh, that would be really interesting to do. So I think we're just continuing to scratch at the topic and here we are. And um, you're going to hear from us about once a month, I think. As I said in the end of the last episode, this podcast is not going to be as regular as it once was, but it looks like it will be happening regularly. Today, my co-host is Carmela Ravoli. Listen, I took some time from drinking martinis by the pool to join you, so feel lucky. And we're talking to Rosalind Colgan about how curiosity has guided her career, how she finds fun things to do at home and on the road, and she's an expert, so she's going to definitely have some good tips for us, how to pitch your event to media outlets, and how to build community on and offline. Then my character, Carmela Revoli, asks about getting more promo for the goings-on in the outer, outer boroughs. Before we go to the interview, a bit about Rosalind. So she is the things-to-do editor at Time Out New York, and she does an incredible job at finding some of the most interesting, um, diverse events going on around town. She, in fact, is a guest on CBS New York often about with some tips about how to explore New York City. So she is by far the expert in New York about how to enjoy New York. So you're going to love that. Now, when I um, first learned about Rosalind's work, I noticed that she likes to figure out how people can be more connected to their communities. She's a relentlessly curious person, um, and that's guided her throughout her work. She also wrote a book called 100 Things to Do in Pittsburgh Before You Die. She hosted a TV show off the book. And I think, and I believe... She won Harkin's Champion of Curiosity Award. And in this podcast, we try to ask questions and be curious. And that's why I thought it'd be a great person to come and help us figure out how she does that um, within terms of just connecting to communities. And that's another thing we talk about on this podcast, too, is about finding community, um, finding a voice, finding people you connect to, and finding a way to make your work happen. So I'm super excited for Rosalind. Um, she's super accomplished. Pittsburgh 40 under 40 list. NewsGuard's Unsung Hero Award winner. Um, let's get to the interview with Rosalind Colgan. Well, thank you, Rosalind Colgan, for joining us on Reconcile the Isle. So glad to be here. So um, you are curious. That is the thing that has like kind of followed you throughout your career. I want to say followed you. It's been a theme in your career is you've are curious. So where did you get this from? Yes. Great question. Um, I think, you know, when you have a toddler around and they're just like constantly asking why, why, why I never grew out of that. Um, so that, <laughs> that trait is still a part of me, um, as frustrating as it may be to all the people in my life, but that's just been kind of a part of, of who I am. I always am trying to figure things out, figure out why things work certain ways, why people do certain things. So always asking why, and naturally that made journalism a great fit for me. I remember in the middle school newspaper, 
learning that I could ask the principal any question I wanted. And he kind of had to answer me. And that felt really amazing. So being able to ask people questions and help other people find the answers is just something that's very much a part of who I am. And then, you know, New Yorkers are pretty curious and you ended up in New York. Yeah, exactly. So I am been in New York for just over a year now, and I'm working at Time Out New York as Things to Do Editor. So it's kind of my job to help people make the most of the city, make the most of their time, which I take very seriously, you know, really trying to help people get the best recommendations and, and find the best things to do around town, which is a big job because there are so many things to do around our city. Right, right. And then are New Yorkers maybe more curious than people in other cities or am I just like a New York snob asshole? Like, like New Yorkers. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, my hometown um, has is Pittsburgh, and they have sort of their own lingo. And one of the words is nebby, N-E-B-B-Y, which means nosy. So I would say Pittsburghers are also very, uh, very curious. I think people tend to think there's like a stereotype of New Yorkers that they don't talk to one another or, you know, they're just sort of really involved in their own business. But I think that is not true. I mean, you just see people on the subway, like if someone needs a hand with a stroller, like people are jumping in to help. If someone needs a seat, people are jumping in to, to help one another. And just, so I don't know. I think people are pretty curious here. I agree with you. Yeah. I think, you know, that whole thing when my friends came, my friends from Italy came off the plane, they were like, um, not, they were expecting people to be mean. And they were like, no, we find New Yorkers really nice. Yeah. It's the, the obesity we can't get over. <laughs> they were like, it was like a shock and awe. <laughs> like, ah. I can imagine maybe coming from another country. Um, I think New Yorkers are nice too. And, you know, I, um, recently was helping someone in the subway. They were using one of the like call boxes to try and figure mm-hmm. out directions of where to go. And they were like very confused. So I, I was like, can I help you? Where are you trying to go? They were trying to go to the Statue of Liberty, which is a trek. We were in Midtown. So like, that's a pretty challenging subway ride for a tourist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was explaining to them, like, are you from here? Because you're really nice. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I am. Actually, it's people here are nice, believe it or not. And I hope yeah, that they the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I'm sure they did. You know, the thing is like the New Yorkers, it's just like when provoked, we will unleash. But like... On the day to day. Yeah, I think people are just busy. Like, I mean, I am like always kind of hustling. I feel like people might, you know, like identify with that if you live in New York, you're always just kind of like hustling from place to place to place. So it's not that you're like mean. Maybe you're just kind of on a mission. I feel like I'm always on a mission. Whether I'm like going to Target or going to work, it's I'm always on a mission. Well, I'm always aware of the time, like, tick, 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 tick. I'm like, okay, I gotta go. Exactly. Well, I was actually um, one of the people who was trapped in the subway when the hurricane last fall. Oh, terrifying. It was terrifying. It's everyone's worst nightmare, like being stuck in the subway tunnel. That's where we were stuck in the tunnel under the water. <laughs> we were just like, you know, there was water on that. Like there was, there was like water in the car a little bit, just from, like had come in. Oh my and gosh. then there was like, there was the car couldn't move. Then there was smoke. It was insane. In all of this, <laughs> there was a fire in the next tunnel they were telling <gasps> us. And the, New Yorkers are the best to go through this with. One of the guys says, he goes, my God, we have rain. We have fire. We have water. We just need the pregnant woman and we can make a zombie movie. Yeah. Like where are the locusts? Like when is that? When is their curtain call? That is wild. Right. Oh my goodness. Well, I realized you're supposed to be asking the questions, but I can't help myself. Were people like chit-chatting with one another? Like what was the vibe in the... It was beautiful. And that's what, like what we're talking about. Like New Yorkers like are beautiful together. Like they, everyone was helping each other. And like, there was a lot of like holding hands, you know, we needed to, cause we, at one point when the smoke was getting thick, I thought oh my gosh. it's over. Oh my gosh. I really thought it was over. And there was a lot of like dry humor. Like a lot of people were mm-hmm. not blessed about it. And they were like, someone was like, same shit, yeah. different day, you know? Wow. <laughs> like, so what was it? The snap of situation, normal, all fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Well, what ended up happening? Like how long were you there? We were there for like three hours. Under oh the, my gosh. Yeah. It was intense. Because then what happened was when the smoke would get thick, we'd run from one car to the next. Oh my gosh. Hoping that like it would get, and the, the subway MTA employees were very calm. Mm-hmm. And then what ended up happening is they got us out. We had Roosevelt Island. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. Uh, like a subway, mm-hmm. the stairwell. Yep. We went up that stairwell and oh. came out. Oh wow. Yeah, and then I, we went and then they put us on the tram that goes from Roosevelt Island. Oh my god. In gosh. the hurricane. Oh <laughs> this is 
Wow. That's wild. Yeah. I know exactly <laughs> where you mean. I'm just like imagining all of these terrified people trekking up that staircase. Wow. That's wild. How many people do you think were there? There were like a few hundred, I think. Oh my goodness. And and there was a, there was a homeless guy who was having trouble and everyone was helping him. Like it was just really mm-hmm. warm how everyone was like coming together. That was really cool. Oh my gosh. You deserve like free subway rides for at least a month. <laughs> That's truly terrifying. They need to give you a voucher to something. Right. They dropped us off at Second Avenue and they were like, bye. They're like, all right, we got you to mainland. Wow. The MTA employees are all always very calm, which I appreciate. I did have one. I was stuck just for a few seconds, but, um, and the MTA employee was like scolding someone for smoking. And that was like a little stressful. She was really yelling at them, but usually they're very, very chill, which I admire. Yeah. They kind of know, they know the situation down there and they know, and they know what's going on. Yeah. If anyone, anywhere in the world I could go through any catastrophe with, it would be New Yorkers because they're just so chill. Yeah, for sure. Like they've been through a lot. And so um, it was very heartwarming. I came out like believing in people mm-hmm. more than more than mm-hmm. ever. I love that. Yes, I feel that way. This is a totally different experience, but I feel that way when I watch the New York Marathon. Like I can't stand there without crying. Like I'm just weeping as I watch it because it's so beautiful, and you're seeing people cheer for people they don't know. You know, they're reading their names off their badges and just cheering them on. It just, it's so heartwarming to see people come together. I love it. I thought I was the only one who sobbed uncontrollably. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm right there with you. (laughs) Can't hold a sign because I need to cry, you know? (laughs) Right. It's so amazing. And people have been through cancer. People have had all these terrible things Mm -hmm. happen and they're running and yeah. Exactly. It's a huge triumph for them for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it's like, yeah, New Yorkers were pretty cool. And are you, we've been here for 10 years now, right? 10 years. Me? No, I'm, I'm new to the city. I've been here just over one oh. year. Well, I don't know why I edited that. Of course, you said that in the beginning. Just because you've, you've had the love of someone who's been here for 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, growing up in Pittsburgh, I mean, you do, it's not too far. So I definitely have gotten to visit New York a lot over the years and kind of was, as I think maybe many people who are not native New Yorkers are like plotting their eventual move here yeah. someday. So definitely got to like observe a lot of, a lot of New York over the years for sure. Just a short Amtrak ride away. Yeah, not too far. Now you you're the expert of all things to do in New York. Yes, that is my my audacious job title, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is it's a big one, but it's like it's the most fun job. I feel very, very fortunate to be doing this job. And, you know, it's really helping people kind of solve the problem of what to do with their time. And I think like what an amazing opportunity to be able to help pay people figure out what to do with their time. Like what else do we have but time? Right. Um, so yes, it is a, it is a very fun job. Um, things to do editor is a range of things. So everything from like food festivals to comedy shows and pretty much everything in between kind of falls under my purview, which is, um, which is a lot of, a lot of responsibility, but a lot of fun as well. Super fun. And then, cause you have this timeout and then you also did hundred things to see Pittsburgh before you die. Yes. Book and then a TV show. Yes. And a little, a little freelance writing when I can find time, but there's not so much time for that nowadays. <laughs> so when I can squeeze time in for that, I do as well. And then, so now with all of that experience, how do you know an event is worth going to? Well, that is a challenge for sure. Um, so I try to sort of evaluate something on a lot of different criteria and I get a lot of pitches. So I get about a hundred good pitches from PR folks or, you know, people doing their own PR, like if they're doing their own comedy show or writing a book or whatever, I get about a hundred pitches a day. And those are like the good ones. Those aren't just like, you know, things that get deleted. So that's a lot. Um, so I really do take time to, to read through every single one. I believe, you know, it's worth my time if someone's reached out to, to give them the opportunity to read what they're doing. And then I try and see if there is a good fit for whatever they're pitching. So let's say, um, you know, they're pitching like Bagel Fest was recently an event that I included in our Things City Roundup that was really lovely. And, you know, I'm looking for things that are like quirky. So Bagel Fest had a lot of quirk to it. it, had a lot of like, obviously, New Yorkers love bagels. It's a pretty universal appeal who, you know, m- many people love carbs, myself included. So I felt like that would be a good one and had some some fun, um, 
kind of collaborations as well. And then I'm also looking for things like in different neighborhoods throughout the city. I try my best to include all five boroughs as best I can. And I also include things that sound interesting, but like are I specifically try to include things that I wouldn't go to. Like I know my friend would like this thing, even if it's like not my, you know, personal interest, I want to find things for all kinds of readers. Um, so I will try to like go out of my way to, to find things that will appeal to other folks, even if they're not like my particular interest. Well, how does the, like a, a lay person is just like looking through their feed and learning about events? Like how would they know if something's going to be worth it? Ooh, like, okay, good question. Well, first of all, they can always consult my uh, things to do this week or things to do this weekend lists. I update those all the time. So I've kind of done like the curation for folks. And then, you know, I think there's like a balance. Sometimes I love Love a new event because it's brand new. You don't really know what to expect. But also, I think there's something to be said for events that happen year after year, especially with the holidays. Like there are things that maybe have nostalgia baked into them if they're things you've done over the years. Like those are always great. And I'm also looking for like who's running the event. You know, is it an organization that I know about? I love an event that has like a charity component. If it's something that gives back to an important cause, that's something that's really important to me personally. And I think that our readers tend to appreciate that as well. So those are a few of the things I'm looking for. And honestly, sometimes like if I'm just looking for something to do for myself with my own friends or family, I'm looking at location a lot. You know, is it something Mm -hmm. that I can make a trek to? Like, do I have the time to, to commit to getting somewhere far away or do I need to go somewhere that's closer to my, to my own place? So that's always a good judge as well. Yeah. So people then should look at the time investment, I guess, the, the location. Yep. And if, if they're not looking at your list, obviously that's like the best way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank but you. But if they, if they come upon an event, I guess it's like, think realistically, like yeah. the time and then who's running it. Mm-hmm. And, and if it's annual, yep. you know that it was successful and so it was probably exactly. other people had fun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes one of the things I love to do, like if I'm exploring a new city is I'll just search on Instagram for like, let's say like a botanical garden is having an event. I'll like find that garden on Instagram and like the tag locations and then search old pictures. So then I'm kind of like, okay, I can see sort of what this event is that they're doing. I can see what other people are posting. You know, does it look like something I want to do? Am I just like going on a date night? Am I going with like, you know, family or friends that have little kids? Like, does it sort of appeal to the age, like demographic that I'm looking to appeal to? Um, But I think that's a good hack. It's like going on Instagram and looking for locations. It's like sort of like a creepy journalist thing, I feel like. But I think it's super helpful just to give you like a realistic sense of like, this is what the event looks like. This is what to expect. This is what you're going to see. And like, honestly, sometimes down to the little things, like, are you going with someone who has like food allergies? Do they have a cafe that you can eat in safely? Like, do they have a coat check? You know, if you have a stroller, do they have a place you can put it? Like, I kind of look for all those little things when I'm making arrangements for my own things to do. Yeah, that's really smart. I have heard of other people using Instagram for travel-based, just figuring stuff out too. Yeah. Yeah. It's super helpful. I mean, just like, I feel like it's so, travel is so visual and we are such visual people, especially like Instagram seems to harness all of our attention. So being able to to use that to make your life a little easier is always a good thing. Have you thought of being a travel writer? I do freelance. I dabble a little bit in travel writing. Um, and I have gotten interviews on travel advisors, which is really cool. Maybe in another life, that would be uh, that would be my profession because I think that's really fun. My ex did it. I don't know if she's still doing it. We don't really talk, but <laughs> um, it's a cool job, right? Right. She got to go to like incredible amount of places. I bet she was like in India and she was in China oh. and she was all over the place. Yeah, that's yeah, really that's cool. Pretty fun. Yeah, that's good. I mean, free trips, hey, you know. Yeah, I well <laughs> love that. Although I think it would get exhausting, like doing that all the time. You know, I feel like after, even just on my own travel, after like a week, I'm like, I just want to be home. I want to wash my clothes. I want to sleep in my own bed. Right, know? and it's also on their own itinerary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like basically like you're you're going, it's a free trip, but you have to do what they want you to do right. at all times. So it's like, right. <laughs> yeah, you can't like, just, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, and so then when do you, like when you were saying like some pitches that you get are just not necessarily mm-hmm. pitches that you would consider, what makes a good mm-hmm. pitch? I, gosh, I have been like drafting a Google doc of what makes a good pitch. And some, at some point I will pitch an article. I, I myself will pitch an article to a PR publication about how to write a good pitch. So I'm going to try and remember what I have on my list, but the basics are super important. Like I need to just know the time, the date, the place, and a link 
to where to buy the event tickets and a cost. I do look at cost as well. I try to like sort of create a mix of things that are maybe higher priced and things that are lower priced. And I always want to try to find events that are free as well um, so that people on all different budgets can find some things to do. So yeah, so like really clearly just kind of spelling out time, date, place, cost and event link. I know that sounds so basic, but it is so often that I don't get that. And I'll get like a really long narrative about, you know, like a person's life, which is lovely. I like love to hear about that. But when I'm getting a hundred pitches, I don't really have the time, unfortunately, to hear someone's life story a um, hundred times a day. So yeah, kind of like giving me the basic information and like a sell, like what's your elevator pitch? You know, if you're in, if you just like had someone's ear for a minute, you know, what would you tell them was the most important thing about the event that you would, that you would want them to go to? So those are the most important things. And if you want to get into a narrative, like lower down, that's fine. If I have time to read it, I will. If not, I'll like follow up if it's a pitch that piques my interest, you know, tell me more about this part of the event. Um, Do you have photos? Love to have photos. That's always great. Um, Definitely helps like with engagement. So kind of helps us help you. Um, Those are the key things. And then like time. Sometimes people will be like, can you cover my event? It happens in two hours. Well, no, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, the more lead time, the better (laughs) is always a good thing. Oh, that's good. What's good lead time? At least 10 days, which the more the merrier, but at least 10 days. Oh, wow. Wow. I thought it was like six weeks, but I guess that was in different time. I mean, that's good. Like if you can do that, that's great because then I truly can plan. And, uh, so like, for example, I'll give like a quirky example. The first New York City Fungus Fest happened this year. It was a great pitch. It was like super bare bones. It kind of gave me just what I was looking for, but it was compelling enough that I thought there is a story here. And they gave the information to me early enough that I could write a whole article and interview them about the um, the Fungus Fest and the club that is involved in organizing it. So then we got to do this great article and you know that helped drive a lot of traffic. They ended up selling out the event pretty early because like we had the lead time. So six weeks is great. That's always, I am sure any journalist would appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always surprised when people, I'm on a show and someone sends me the flyer the day of, I'm yeah. like, okay, I'll put it in my story. <laughs> right. Exactly. At that point, there's not that much we can do. And certainly things sometimes come together last minute. I get it. But mm-hmm. yeah, the more, the more time, the better. Yeah, totally. Totally. Have you ever recommended something and then it's ended up like a, you heard it was a bomb? Not yet, but I'm sure that day will come <laughs> because I, I, you know, wish I could be so generally on our things to do this weekend list, I have more than a hundred items on the list. Of course, no one human can go to a hundred events in uh, in a weekend. So um, that hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure that day will come. It's just yeah, gonna happen. Well, there, <laughs> but that's okay. I'll learn. Yeah, from can you like kind of tell some events are gonna be a bomb? Like, you know, I haven't had that experience yet, but I mean, I definitely, there's things where just like, maybe the idea is a little half baked and like, I just don't end up including it. Um, you know, a lot of times, like, I'll just be like, okay, I'll keep that in mind for next time. And, you know, truly I will, like, I'll maybe look back and see if that organization's doing something else in the future, but I do have to be a little bit choosy. So that, uh, that sort of like gets me out of things. If, uh, if something just doesn't seem like a good fit or like they haven't fully fleshed out the idea, I'll be like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, follow up with me in a few months, like tell me if we're doing cool. anything else. Um, now what do you think is like, in terms of a lot of these events that you like to cover are ones that like bring people together. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what are some of your favorite events that you've heard about in terms mm. of doing that? Yeah. Well, so first of all, I think there's like two categories. I think there's events in New York City that are that are happening that we write about. And then I think there's also sort of events that journalists host, like journalism organizations host. So I think there's like two categories. And I guess I'll start with kind of things that, that we've hosted. So recently we hosted an event um, for people who are interested in running a marathon in the future. Um, so kind of bringing together some experts talking about what that experience is like and how to um, kind of prepare for that, which is probably not something in my future, but uh, kudos to all of those who are going to run a marathon in the future. So that's really cool. And I love when news organizations can kind of bring together experts in a field so that people can can learn from them. And like, obviously you have journalists who are good at asking questions, who can, um, who can lead the panel. So I love seeing that, which I think is really cool. Um, oh my goodness. And then events just around New York City that I think have done really well. 
my mind is definitely in holiday mode right now. So I am thinking like all holidays all the time, but I'll try and give you like a quirky holiday one. So actually this weekend, and I want to get their name right. So I'm going to look it up really quick. Um, I went to a comedy show at Asylum NYC. Have you been there before? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great venue. It was my first time. I had recently written about Asylum and how it's sort of become this like comedy hub for New York. And they have an amazing um, manager who's like really kind of even, you know, done down to like doing renovations himself, which is awesome. Um, So I went to see a show there by a group called Baby Wants Candy. Uh, are you familiar with them? You probably... I'm not. Actually, I don't know them. No? no? Okay. They're fantastic. Um, so their whole thing is that they come up with a musical within the time you're there. So it's a totally improvised musical with singing with like acts um, throughout the show. And for the holidays, they're doing um, holiday-themed ones. So like someone from the audience will shout out a weird idea. Ours was Rudolph. So it's like a riff on like a popular um, title. So it was like, rather than Rudolph the reindeer, the one that was chosen was Rudolph the rain fear. So it was this like murder mystery um, about Rudolph and they're making it up on the spot. That was a really fun event because I feel like you saw a lot of different ages there. Like just a really like, just like a mix of people, which was a blast. I went with my parents, like they're in their sixties. I'm in my thirties. We all loved it. Like I saw a lot of different ages there and everyone was just like, honestly laughing so hard. So that was a blast. And they're actually doing, I think, another holiday show. So check it out. And even if you miss the holiday one, they have other, um, they have a bunch of shows coming up at Asylum. So I love that. I mean, I think anytime we can get together and laugh, you know, and they, of course, like politics uh, definitely came up during the show, which was very funny. Um, And there was even like a moment talking about like, uh, turning the North Pole into an Amazon warehouse. So like, there definitely were some kind of touchy issues that came up during the show. But I think if we can see those things and laugh together, like what better medicine is there than than laughter? So I love, I love that. I think comedy is a great way to to bring people together. It is. And I, um, I'm excited for their new space because there's always a thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why I did, um, when I did anti-comedy, I I did it in a, um, in Parkside because Mm -hmm. they have a bar outside. Nice. And I'm excited for Asylum as well because they're moving into the new space, which I believe if they're keeping the model that was there before, they're moving into the old pit space. I'm sure you know, Mm -hmm. the old people's and private theater space, which has a a room for a bar. It had a bar and then it had venues. So people would go see the shows and come out and then socialize. I love that. Because that's often, yeah, what's missing like after a show Mm -hmm. is like everyone wants to talk about it, but there's nowhere to go. Yeah, for sure. I have the show I was at, they did not do this, but I was at the early show. Um, But I have heard that at Asylum, it's common for like afterwards, everyone will kind of hang out and have a shot together. Yes. (laughs) So that's kind of fun. I was, like I said, I was at the early show, so I missed that. But yeah. I think people love that and just like getting the opportunity to chat with the performers and getting the opportunity like to just, you know, chat with the people who are sitting in a row with you laughing. It's, it's great just to be able to have that and kind of hear what jokes resonated with people. And like, again, with this, with this show, like with improv, I feel like politics is just like naturally bound to come up. So with this show, I think there was a good opportunity to do that. Yeah. And be able to bring people in the room together. And then who do you think is really doing community building with events? Right. Like, Hmm. It's a great question. Let me think on that one for a minute. There's so many. There's so many. Yeah. Okay. I, ha- I have one that I want to pick. So in terms of doing community building with events, right. Um, this is a gallery that just opened up. It's a pop-up gallery um, that happened this fall. It's called Sonia, S-O-N-Y-A. It's kind of a homage to the Ukrainian word for sunflower. And they, um, so how this gallery, it's with Ukrainian artists um, so all work by Ukrainian artists that they were able to bring the work here. Um, and they've done a bunch of events at the space. But what I love about it is it's not only bringing New Yorkers together um, for these, like they had like an opening event, they're having a closing event. So not only bringing New Yorkers together, but also all the proceeds from the event go directly back to creating aid for Ukrainians. So mm-hmm. whether that's everything from like food to tourniquets, um, the groups even brought ambulances. So like they're really doing super important work and it's a group um, called the Sunflower Network and it's led by a New Yorker, which I think is really cool. So 
not only are they bringing New Yorkers together to have this experience with art, but also being able to help people in Ukraine who need vital aid too um, right now. So another example, the New York Historical Society Museum and Library, quite a big title, but they have amazing events and they have a couple exhibits right now that I really love. And I think some, some really good community building as well. So one of the exhibits is called I'll Have What She's Having. Um, and that is a reference to When Harry Met Sally, the iconic scene in Katz's Deli. But this exhibit is super fun. So it examines the, the Jewish deli in American culture from the time of immigration. So kind of how the Jewish deli came to be and then how it's been a part of New Yorkers' lives and not just New York, but beyond until until today. Very cool. So they've got like pop culture. It's super cool. It will make you hungry. So just warn you that. But I think, you know, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity to see, like, to see another culture. If you are not Jewish, I'm not Jewish, but I really loved seeing this exhibit. And then, you know, for folks who are Jewish, to see this culture represented, to see kind of this heritage represented, I think is super important. Um, anytime that we can do that, so that's a really good one to check out. I think as well. So that reminds me. So the I've noticed a lot of events merging with retail. Like you're saying, like the gallery space, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is, but mm-hmm. I've seen even like shoe stores have want to have. Nordstrom just had bingo night. Really? Wow. That's so interesting. Bingo night. Huh? Yeah. I think Linda Simpson might be doing bingo there regularly. That is super Um, interesting. He's like a famous New York drag queen and personality. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it feels like there's also like this people know that in order to bring people out, you need to give them like the promise of community or at least. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, re- I read this article recently. I think it was in the Washington Post about how we're spending, just like as humans, we're spending more time alone um, than we used to in the past. I can't quote the statistics because I can't remember them, but it was like a pretty shocking, it was a pretty shocking number. So I do think there's definitely, and I'm sure some of it is pandemic related, but I do think there's definitely this need for us to like be in community with people, be around people, you know, safely, of course, for um still being in a pandemic, but, you know, being able to be around people and, and talk to one another, I think is so important and something that is sadly missing sometimes. Like, I mean, you know, people at like the holiday table, like maybe, you know, you're at the holiday table around with your family and you're talking about maybe things that you disagree about, but how important is it to be able to have those conversations and, you know, share your opinions? Yeah, I think about it a lot too. Now, like even just when I'm coming up on the show, it's like not just I have to like I feel like I have to make it almost like a carnival. Like I have to have like before like we're doing a show. I do these small shows in Little Italy, which is really fun. It's a cool space. The only restaurant in Little Italy in history of Little Italy owned by a woman wow. down there. Yeah, and she's super cool. She's a fan of mine, and she's offered me her back room, and I, like, experiment with quirky little shows. Mm -hmm. Small shows, no big deal, but it's fun. And so we're doing a holiday show, and it's like, okay, pictures with Santa before. Then we have the show, you know. Then we have giveaways. Then we have music and stand-up and comedy and, you know. (laughs) Yeah, and then there's, like, a confetti cannon, and then, you know, an elephant parades through the room. I know, it's it's a lot. I mean, yeah, I do wonder if the pandemic has, like, warped our expectations a little bit um, now that we, people are going to events again. It's like, it does feel like some events are, you know, wanting to kind of pull out all the stuff. <laughs> Sometimes that's yeah. a challenge. Yes, it is. And we, I noticed too, that people stay, don't, are not staying out as late. Mm-hmm. And it was, there was an article about it, I think in the times. Yeah, um, that's a great piece. That. And do you, do you find that now when you're organ, like figuring out what to do, do you find less options for late night? I do think there's less late night. I mean, certainly there's still like clubs that have late night events for sure, but it does seem like, you know, I mean, New York is definitely still the city that never sleeps, but like maybe we just go to bed a little bit earlier. (laughs) And I, you know, I think the Times article brought up too, even restaurants that were like renowned for being all night or being super late, just maybe don't have those hours anymore. But yeah, that that culture, I think is still here. It just, you maybe have to look for it a little bit harder. Yeah, definitely. And it's a little bit more on the, on the fringes. It's not like, Mm -hmm. and even, you know, after I did some, you know, just some comedy shows now, like I'm like, all right, where are we hanging and everyone's like, I got to go. I want to go to sleep. Like, what, <laughs> what is all this self-care shit? Like, what are doing this? <laughs> yes, we're much more well-rested now, I hope. Right, right. <laughs> but you know what? I kind of want to go to sleep too, but I would never admit it. Ah! <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, now, in terms of like the media's role in bringing communities together, how do you see that? Yeah, what a tough question. Um, well, I think for me, so I kind of think about journalism as like, I try to think of it as sort of bottom up. So I'm trying to look for ideas on social media. I often find ideas on social media. I just did a piece today. Did you see the amazing rainbow this morning? <gasps> I didn't. Oh my God. No, I didn't. I didn't either. I was not awake early enough, but apparently early this morning was this gorgeous double rainbow and all these people were posting photos of it on social media. So I was like, okay, great. I am going to reach out to them and see if I can share their photos for a post. So really trying to at the most basic level, um, you know, a rainbow, something not non-controversial, um, you know, at the most basic level, being able to like actually be kind of in communication with readers, with people who are just like in the city rather than sort of kind of making those decisions at like the top and then telling people what to read. So I love when I can find ideas on social media, when I can find something that like maybe hasn't been written about before, whether that's, you know, someone just sends me like a quick email or I'm seeing something on Instagram or Twitter. I mean, Twitter is a weird place right now, but uh, you know, still a great place for story ideas. Those are, are great things that that I love to do. And then really trying to create a conversation with readers. Um, anytime like a reader reaches out and says a piece resonated with them, that is really meaningful to me um, and shows that we're kind of hitting the right mark. So for example, I recently did a column about the proliferation of immersive experiences. Like everything is immersive nowadays. There's like you know, immersive dining, yeah. there's immersive theater, mm-hmm. there's like immersive exhibits, just everything is immersive. Mm-hmm. So I did a column about that. And that definitely struck a nerve with people. So like seeing that people are actually resonating, you know, something's resonating with them. I'm like, okay, that's, that's something that maybe continue, continue doing in the future. Very cool. Do you follow Amanda Palmer at all? Mm, yes. The name is very familiar, but I can't quite put a finger on it. So she's a singer-songwriter and sort of a force unto herself. Mm-hmm. She basically runs her whole – she has like 15,000 people in Patreon. Oh, wow. And, yeah, she runs her whole business on, on there, music basically, music business. She doesn't have a label. And she found, which I thought was interesting, she was going on her tour and she wasn't being covered hmm. by the media. She was doing a whole tour on, um, it was There Will Be No Intermission Tour. Okay. And um, it was about abortion. Mm-hmm. And she was like raising money for organizations and she was um, doing speak, you know, all yeah. this awareness stuff and all of these talks in collaboration with her shows. And no one was covering it. Oh, wow. So she hired her own, because she has a Patreon, she has income. Mm-hmm. She hired a journalist to travel with them and document. Oh, that's really cool. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, it was interesting. And she wrote, they wrote stuff on her Medium mm-hmm. page. That was like how they, they wrote like long scale journal. Yeah. So I guess just like in terms of just like the conundrum that artists have, like if you're not mm-hmm. being written about, in some ways you don't exist to people. Yeah. So how do people handle that? Well, I do think there is that's a shame first of all to hear that journalists weren't covering her works obviously that sounds very important i do think there is some power in being new definitely you know journalists are always looking for the thing that's new um what might be next so i think kind of leaning into that for example i wrote this um piece earlier this fall about an artist who had never had a gallery show before, but he used it basically uh, recite. Well, I should he recycled uh, garbage of these like crates that you would ship artworks in, and he would find them outside of galleries, and he used them for his artwork. So I was like, that's really cool. He's never had a show before, so that kind of appealed to me. The fact that he was new, and I could write about an artist who hadn't been written about before. So I do think like leaning into that can be a good thing, even though it might seem scary because you're like, oh, they just want to hear my like list of shows I've been on or things I've done or whatever. I also think there is a little bit of power in being like, I'm new to this, but here's my like vision for my art, whether that's music or performance or, you know, whatever. So maybe, maybe try that I think is worth it. Um, you know, and then as much as I hate to say this, because social media can be such a grind and it is like really a full-time job, but you know, I think doing, doing your own social media, like, or having a social media manager to like post the things you're doing is also really important, um, to kind of be your own, Mm -hmm. like mouthpiece. And that can help get attention too. Like I definitely, um, am looking up, you know, if someone is pitching me, like I'm looking at their social to see what do they talk about? What do they do? What are they interested in? Um, and just kind of seeing like, do they have a presence that, you know, that I can get a sense of kind of like what they're interested in. So that always helps too. But I do think sadly there are like 
more and more public relations people and fewer and fewer journalists, um, which is hard because there are just not enough people to tell stories going around. So yeah, I, I definitely empathize with that for sure. Wow. So you see the number of pitches you have increasing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you just hear those stories about like news organizations throughout the, throughout the country, really just kind of shuttering or having layoffs, which like breaks my heart to see that happening in the industry. So yeah, that is not a positive note, but it is kind of the world we live in, unfortunately. Yeah. Cause sometimes it's like the smaller local organizations that are helpful in getting the word out by like mm-hmm. some like, you know, beach cleanup, nonprofit, mm-hmm. bake sale and yep. like no one knows about it. And so it's exactly. just like hard. Yeah, exactly. To figure, it's hard to figure out like where do you, cause whenever you organize anything, it's like, where do you reach people? Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, those options are, I guess less and less. Cause there's with social media, you're always a victim to the algorithm. Them. Exactly. So like, yes. Know, yes. All praise to that. That's why I'm a big email list person. I will not give it up. I will not. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good way to reach people for sure. And newsletters, like you mentioned, the Substack, for example, that's also a great way to reach people. Right. 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 Do you follow any Substacks? I get a lot of newsletters, um, and I'm sure some of them are Substack, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> but I definitely get a lot of a lot of newsletters that I like to read. Um, kind of like my morning, um, my like morning reading habits for sure. The Briefly is one in New York that I really love, and that is a Substack. I think I just looked it up. Um, so that's kind of like a news roundup, and it's really great. It has like a fun tone. You can really—I mm-hmm. don't know the writer personally, but I love when you like feel like you mm-hmm. know someone through their writing. So the Briefly is a really good New York substack. Oh, good to know. I'm a, I'm a big, um, yeah. it's not a substack, but I'm a big, I'm a skim. Oh, yes. Person. The skim is so great. Yes. Yeah. Love the skim. I do miss it. Even on the weekend, I'm like, oh, where's this going Yeah. <laughs> I know. What's going on? So you also have worked with, experimented with creating little internet communities through GoSigns and CatCleo. Yes, I have. So GoSigns, for those who maybe are listening and don't know, GoSigns are... I'm sure you've seen them. They're the like forgotten typography that's scrawled on buildings around town. So they kind of have this ghosty white color, hence the name ghost signs and they're old advertising signs. So essentially they were like the billboards of the turn of the century. And I love to find them. I document them throughout New York um, and anywhere that I'm traveling as well. Um, And I recently wrote about them as well for a column for Time Out. So that was really cool to kind of see people respond to that and share their own pictures, which was really lovely. Um, And I just think they're like a piece of history. Have you seen them around town? Do you know what I'm talking about? I I definitely do. I definitely do. And it's so fun because it feels like that is part of the, the, you could feel the old New York Mm -hmm. like right there for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you'll see advertisements for trying to think of some ones I saw recently, um, a chocolate company, which, you know, that's really fun. Yeah. I saw one recently for a sweet and low sugar ad, which was pretty cool. A steel company, um, a pharmacy, Uh, you'll see them for apartments, you'll see them for dresses, like you'll see them for really all kinds of services, some which we still use and, you know, some which aren't as popular anymore. But I love finding them. And yeah, there's a great community around ghost signs. All of us fellow ghost sign hunters uh, out there looking for ghost signs. There's a really, a really great community on Instagram. Is there like a type, like you would say, like what would be the description of a ghost sign hunter? Oh gosh. I, I don't know. I feel like it, it runs the gamut. Have you ever seen like people with those little bumper stickers on their cars and it'll say like, I break for mail pouch tobacco barns have you like if you're driving on the interstate and you've you'll see like an old barn and it has a sign on that says mail pouch tobacco those are like the go sign people the people who are like you know they're going to flea markets they're like i'm stopping if i see an old barn yeah i don't know i think it speaks to people's nostalgia and just like a fascination with with the past which you know that is for me I like after i see one you know i'll google it and try to find out maybe i can find something about it in an old newspaper archive you know what was this place like who was the person who owned it does it still exist so that's kind of what i love to do that like little historical research that reminds you that you know this this history that we're living yeah, among I love it. it that's very new york by the way that's very new yorker <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes. And there's some amazing New York um, ghost sign accounts, you know, on mine, like I'm trying to find signs from all over. Um, Old towns seem to have the most. So New York definitely fits the bill. And then there's some 
nice uh, signs in my hometown of Pittsburgh. Cleveland has a bunch. Um, Denver has a bunch. So yeah, keep your eye out when you're look, when you're walking around because they're fun to find. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, has anyone like the Museum of the City of New York like reached out to you to like promote their exhibit through Go Signs? But that's like no. No, that's a great idea, though. I should see if we can collaborate on something. Um, I was just there this past week, actually, and they have, I learned, I think it's 400,000 photos in their collection. They have an amazing photography collection and some great old New York photos as well. So, yeah, that's an amazing museum. I love visiting there. They also do a lot of really cool events, too. Yes, I've been to some of them. They're really fun at, like, a band outside mm-hmm. dancing. Yeah. It's so fun. And they, um, yeah. I remember they had the best, whenever I, I try to explain to people in New York, like, there's a oh, people in New Yorkers who are just tired, and I'm like, listen, in the Museum of City in New York, they had an exhibit, and they had, up on there was a quote from, like, the 17, eight, like 1700s. And someone was like, that town, all people care about <laughs> is making money and ambition. It's like, <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I think I'm going that this past week. <laughs> yep. Yep. I know. <laughs> you're like, this is just how it is. It's like in the air here yes, for whatever reason. It is. It um, is. That's so funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's Cat Cleo. So oh, you also, yes. you've, you've, you've linked Cat Cleo to a community organization. And how did that happen? Yeah. Okay. So my really cool. cat, um, Cleo Catra, she is a diva, fitting, befitting of her name. She's a calico. And my husband and I adopted her from um, an organization in our hometown of Pittsburgh called Animal Friends. They're an amazing charity that helps um, animals in need in our pork. Uh, cat Cleo was, we don't really know her origin story, but we know she had a, a rough kittenhood and was abandoned with her, um, with her litter mates. So anyway, we adopted her and then I have an Instagram account for her. And uh, I actually, the cause is so near and dear to my heart that for my book about Pittsburgh, uh, I donate a portion of the proceeds every year to Animal Friends, um, just kind of in Cleo's honor. Um, but yeah, mostly I'm just like sharing cute pictures of her. You know, she's very mischievous as calico cats tend to be. Um, and it's just like lovely. There are so many people who love cats on the internet. I mean, if there's one good thing about the internet, it's cat videos and cat pictures. So that is really wonderful. And just like being able to get a little dose of cuteness on your Instagram feed is, is great. She follows like other cats, you know, it's cute. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Do you ever show her the pictures? Um, I haven't, but sometimes when she sees us on our phones or iPads, she does try to like boop at the screen. So yeah, I, I, I try not to let her play with my phone too much because her paws actually can like, you know, click on things. Like somehow the cat's paws actually can move things. So I try to keep the phone away from her so she doesn't like buy, you know, treats on Amazon or something for herself. Okay. That's that's so funny. <laughs> I think there was a commercial or something with that, like the dog figured out the internet and then like the doorbell rang. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they're so smart. Such smart creatures. Right. Although it was, I think it was a dog in the commercial, but we all know it would be a cat who figured it out. It would totally <laughs> be a cat, of course. Completely <laughs> cat. Cool. Um, well, I have, I have a question from, from my character, um, Carmela Revoli. Great. Okay. Let's do it. Hello. How's it going? So, how's it going, Rosalind? So, um... I'm, you know, Brooklyn, Queens, that's, um, but the deep part of Brooklyn and Queens, like basically mm-hmm, if you don't mm-hmm. know what the Q53 is, you're really not from Queens, okay? <laughs> uh-huh, okay. People want to say, you know, we have lots of things going on out here. We have the feast every year, mm-hmm. you know, it does its thing, you know, with all the cash in hand, you know what I mean? So, but the thing is, no one wants to cover it. They only want to cover deep queens when they talk about maybe, you know, some people around here aren't so bright. So they want to talk about all the stupid things that these morons do. But we never get attention for the things that make us, you know, us. Mm-hmm. So how do we get more attention down in, I, I, don't, I hate to say it, the real Brooklyn and Queens, the real New mm-hmm. York? How do we get more Carmilla. attention? I understand, Carmela. Okay, great question. You should reach out. Send me an email, Carmela, and I will follow up. We can maybe put my email in the show notes if that is is helpful. Um, but yeah, you should reach out. Tell us what you're doing. Tell us what's what's going on in your community and what's interesting to you. And I would love to hear more about it. You know, now she said that. I think just people don't think that when they're organizing this or that, they do a community event. They just don't think that people 
like a timeout would be interested. They think, oh, they're going to want mm-hmm. the coffee festival with the beans sure. that was shot out of the ferret's ass. That's what they want. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I would love to know about that event, but I also want to know what's happening in Carmela's neighborhood too. Right. You know, I got, I got good things. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell everyone. Do They do all the stuff organizing. I organize my bridge club, but unfortunately we're full up with people. Uh, we can only fit so many people because we <laughs> oh. got a lot of bottles to fit in, you know, when I, for every, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. time I got them. You know, so, so, only so many drunk retirees you can have in one room. Yeah, so. that sounds like a party. It's like, you know, we shouldn't. Well, you're invited to the Bridge Club anytime. Okay, thank you. Okay, we'll show you real. I'll be YOB. Okay. All right. Oh, no, we got plenty for you. Don't worry about it. We got martini, three olives, extra dry. No problem. Okay. All right, thank you. Well, I will pay, I will make sure the people of Queens and Brooklyn stop this shit and stop thinking no one wants to care about us and start trying to contribute. That's what we're going to tell them. Beautiful. I love it. All right. All right. Thank you so much. You're lovely. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for for hanging with Carmela. Absolutely. Anytime. She's fun. She's fun. I actually just finished a sketch of her um, and her coven in Queens and her coven's getting gentrified and she's getting pissed off. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. Are you going to be performing that anywhere coming Um, up? I actually just did perform it at a Halloween show, but I'll I'll let you know if I'm doing that anywhere for sure. Please do. Um, yeah, I actually used to hang out with a Coven Queens. Anyway, long story, but <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a great story <laughs> yeah, for another time. Yes, cool. So, um, tell us um, how people can follow you and what you have coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so folks can follow Time Out New York. That is our name on all of our social platforms. So follow us there. And then we're also at Time Out New York, um, excuse me, timeout.com slash New York. Um, so that's the best way to follow us. And then you can find my email address through there. And it's really long, so I won't say it out loud, but we can put it in the show notes so folks can reach out. Um, that's the best way. And then in terms of things coming up, I am in holiday coverage mode at this point of the year. So that's kind of where my head is at at the moment. I'll be working on a roundup of New Year's Eve events, which is very exciting. There are a lot of really great events coming up. So I'll be working on that soon. And I can't wait to see what's happening this year. Super fun. Uh, Well, we can't wait to see what you find. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks for listening, folks. To support this work, here are two things you can do. One, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really, really helps other people find us. Also, you can support us by donating on Venmo, at Lauren Logie. You can follow Reconcile the Isle on my Instagram and Twitter, at Lauren Logie, L-O-G-I. And do consider signing up at laurenlogie.com slash podcast to get reminders when we publish this every other week. Thank you to everyone who has made this podcast possible. Thank you to Ani Mikachin for editing, Edward Sila at Radio Misfits Podcast Network, Mary Lynn English for being the research assistant for this season, to Zevin Edwards for creating the intro, Christopher Catalano for the voiceover, Maddie McLennan for making the podcast art, and a shout out to Alan Waters, Danny Halton, Craig Branson, who helped me to conceptualize this podcast. And of course, thank you to Rosalind Colgan for being such a wonderful guest. See you soon.